European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 44, Issue 16. Focus Issue, Dyslipidemias, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Identity lipoproteins, lipoprotein A, and remnant cholesterol. New opportunities for reducing residual cardiovascular risk. The mechanisms linking dyslipidemias to atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, or ASCVD, are complex and only partially known. This focus issue on dyslipidemias contains a state-of-the-art review entitled Identity Lipoprotein Revisited, Biological Functions and Clinical Relevance by Arnold von Eckerstein and colleagues from the University Hospital Zurich and University of Zurich in Switzerland. The authors note that previous interest in high-density lipoproteins, or HDLs, focused on their possible protective role in ASCVD. Evidence from genetic studies and randomized trials, however, questioned that the inverse association of HDL cholesterol, or HDLC, is causal. This review aims to provide an update on the role of HDL in health and disease, also beyond ASCVD. Through evolution from invertebrates, HDLs are the principal lipoproteins, while apolipoprotein B-containing lipoproteins first developed invertebrates. HDLs transport cholesterol and other lipids between different cells like a reusable ferry, but serve many other functions including communication with cells and the inactivation of biohazards such as bacterial lipopolysaccharides. These functions are exerted by entire HDL particles or distinct proteins or lipids carried by HDL rather than by its cholesterol cargo measured as HDLC. Neither does HDLC measurement reflect the efficiency of reverse cholesterol transport. Recent studies indicate that functional measures of HDL, notably cholesterol efflux capacity, number of HDL particles or distinct HDL proteins, are better predictors of ASCVD events than HDLC. Low HDLC levels are related observationally, but also genetically, to increased risks of infectious diseases, death during sepsis, diabetes mellitus, and chronic kidney disease. Additional, but only observational data, indicate associations of low HDLC with various autoimmune diseases and cancers, as well as all-cause mortality. Conversely, extremely high HDLC levels are associated with an increased risk of age-related macular degeneration, also genetically, infectious disease and all-cause mortality. HDL encompasses dynamic multimolecular and multifunctional lipoproteins that probably emerge during evolution to serve several physiological roles and prevent or heal pathologies beyond ASCVD. For any clinical exploitation of HDL, the indirect marker HDLC must be replaced by direct biomarkers reflecting the causal role of HDL in the respective disease. Long-term placebo-controlled cholesterol-lowering trials have demonstrated legacy effects clinical benefits that persist or emerge after the trial has ended. 
Gregory Schwartz and colleagues from the University of Colorado School of Medicine in Aurora, Colorado, USA, note that it's unknown whether legacy effects follow a short period of very low LDLC levels achieved with statin plus a PCSK9 or proprotein convertase subtilism stroke kexin type 9 inhibitor. In approximately 19,000 patients post-acute coronary syndrome, the Odyssey Outcomes Trial compared the PCSK9 inhibitor alirocumab with placebo, each added to high-intensity or maximum-tolerated statin therapy. Patients with two consecutive LDLC levels less than 0.39 millimoles per litre or 15 milligrams per deciliter on alirocumab had blinded placebo substitution for the remainder of the trial with continued statin treatment. In post-hoc analyses, major adverse cardiovascular events, or MACE, in these patients were compared with MACE in propensity score-matched patients from the placebo group with similar baseline characteristics and study medication adherence. In the alirocumab group, 730 patients had blinded placebo substitution at a median 8.3 months from randomization after a median 6.0 months with LDLC less than 0.39 millimoles per litre. They were matched to 1,460 placebo patients. Over a median follow-up of 2.8 years, MACE occurred in 6.4% alirocumab patients with limited duration, very low achieved LDLC, versus 8.4% matched placebo patients. Treatment hazard ratio 0.72, P equaling 0.047. Schwarz et al. conclude that a short period of LDLC levels less than 0.39 millimoles per litre or 15 milligrams per deciliter achieved with statin and alirocumab, followed by statin monotherapy, is associated with lower risk of MACE than statin monotherapy throughout the observation period. Clinical benefits persist for several years. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Jacques Genest from the McGill University Health Centre in Montreal, Canada. Genest notes that a clinical consensus statement of the Association for Acute Cardiovascular Care in collaboration with the European Association of Preventative Cardiology already recommends the approach of strike early and strike strong. The question remains whether the approach of sustained intensive and costly lipid-lowering treatment following an acute coronary syndrome can be safely substituted for a pulse of very intensive LDLC lowering followed by a chase of standard statin therapy. The assessment of dyslipidemias in children is a topic of growing interest. In a clinical research article entitled Lipoprotein A levels in children with suspected familial hypercholesterolemia, a cross-sectional study. Lotte de Boer and colleagues from the Amsterdam UMC at the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands indicate that familial hypercholesterolemia, or FH, predisposes children to the early initiation of atherosclerosis and is preferably diagnosed by DNA analysis. Yet in many children, with a clinical presentation of FH, no mutation is found. Adult data show that high levels of lipoprotein A, or LPA, may underlie a clinical presentation of FH, 
as the cholesterol content of LPA is included in conventional LDL cholesterol measurements. As this is limited to adult data, LPA levels in children with and without clinical FH were evaluated. Children were eligible if they visited the Pediatric Lipid Clinic 1989-2020 and if LPA measurement and DNA analysis were performed. In total, 2,721 children, mean age 10.3 years, were included and divided into four groups. 1,931 children with definite FH, mutation detected, 290 unaffected siblings stroke normolipidemic controls, mutation excluded, 108 children with probable FH, clinical presentation, mutation not detected, and 392 children with probable non-FH, no clinical presentation, mutation not excluded. In children with probable FH, 32% were found to have high LPA compared with 10% both in children with definite FH, P equaling 0.017, and unaffected siblings, P equaling 0.002, respectively. De Boer and colleagues conclude that LPA is significantly higher and more frequently elevated in children with probable FH compared with children with definite FH and unaffected siblings, suggesting that high LPA may underlie the clinical presentation of FH when no FH-causing mutation is found. Both performing DNA analysis and measuring LPA in all children suspected of FH is recommended to assess possible LDLC overestimation related to increased LPA. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Maurizio Averna and Angelo Cefalu from the Università degli Studi di Palermo in Italy. The authors conclude that Dubur et al. highlight the role of LPA in eliciting an FH clinical phenotype in children and the need for implementing the LPA measurement in a paediatric setting. These results may help to inform our clinical approach to the diagnosis and management of paediatric hypercholesterolemia. Cholesterol carried in triglyceride or Tg-rich lipoproteins, also called remnant cholesterol, is being increasingly acknowledged as an important causal risk factor for atherosclerosis. Elevated remnant cholesterol, marked by elevated plasma Tgs, is associated causally with an increased risk of ASCVD. The association with cause-specific mortality is, however, unclear. In a clinical research article entitled Elevated Remnant Cholesterol, Plasma Triglycerides and Cardiovascular and Non-Cardiovascular Mortality, Benjamin Vodstrom and colleagues from the Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark tested the hypothesis that elevated remnant cholesterol and plasma TGs are associated with increased mortality from cardiovascular disease, cancer and other causes. Using a contemporary population-based cohort greater than 87,000 individuals from the Copenhagen General Population Study aged 20 to 69 years at baseline in 2003 to 2015 were included. During up to 13 years of follow-up, 687 individuals died from cardiovascular disease, 1,594 from cancer, and 856 from other causes, 
according to the National Danish Causes of Death Registry. In individuals with remnant cholesterol greater than or equal to 1.0 millimoles per litre or greater than or equal to 39 milligrams per deciliter, 22% of the population, compared with those with levels less than 0.5 millimoles per litre or less than 19 milligrams per deciliter, multivariable adjusted mortality hazard ratios were 2.2 for cardiovascular disease, 1.0 for cancer and 2.1 for other causes. Exploratory analysis of the cause of death subcategories showed corresponding hazard ratios of 4.4 for ischemic heart disease, 8.4 for infectious diseases, and 9.1 for endocrinological diseases. Results for plasma TGs greater than 2 versus less than 1 millimoles per litre, or greater than 177 versus less than 8.9 milligrams per deciliter, were similar. The authors conclude that remnant cholesterol of greater than or equal to 1 millimole per litre or 39 milligrams per deciliter present in 22% of the population and plasma TGs of greater than or equal to 2 millimoles per litre or 177 milligrams per deciliter present in 28% of the population were associated with twofold mortality from cardiovascular and other causes but not from cancer. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Paulina Stutzebecker, Ulrich Laus and Julius Katzmann from the Universitätsklinikum Leipzig in Germany. They note that an important novel finding of the study relates to the association of serum TG with total mortality. The relationship between calculated remnant cholesterol and other mortality was attenuated after adjustment for body mass index waist circumference and diabetes, because these conditions are associated with higher serum TGs. The relationship was nominally attributed to increased mortality from all other mortality subcategories except for mental disorders and respiratory diseases, and especially to infectious and endocrinological diseases. Interestingly, there was no association of TG with cancer mortality. The observations are not yet mechanistically explained and set the stage for further studies to understand the relationship of serum TG with different non-cardiovascular diseases. With emerging therapeutic options to reduce TG-rich lipoproteins, this field of research is likely to become increasingly important. The interaction between dyslipidemias and inflammation in the pathogenesis of ASCVD is complex. In a clinical research article entitled Lipoprotein A is linked to atherothrombosis and aortic valve stenosis independent of C-reactive protein. Peter Thomas and colleagues from the Copenhagen University Hospital Herlevengen-Tofte in Denmark hypothesized that high LPA is a main driver for the risk of ASCVD, myocardial infarction, and aortic valve stenosis, irrespective of C-reactive protein, or CRP, levels. A total of 68,090 individuals from the Copenhagen General Population Study, a prospective cohort study, were included. During a median follow-up of 8.1 years, greater than 5,000 individuals developed ASCVD. 2,432 myocardial infarction 
and 1,220 aortic valve stenosis. The risk of ASCVD, myocardial infarction and aortic valve stenosis increased with higher values of both LPA and CRP. For individuals with LPA in the 91st to 100th percentile versus 1st to 33rd percentile, the multivariable adjusted hazard ratio for ASCVD was 1.61 for those with CRP less than 2 mg per litre and 1.57 for those with CRP greater than or equal to 2 mg per litre, P for interaction equaling 0.87. The corresponding values were 2.08 and 1.65 for myocardial infarction and 2.01 and 1.73 for aortic valve stenosis, respectively. P for interaction equaling 0.15 and 0.18. Thomas and colleagues conclude that high LPA is a main driver for the risk of ASCVD, myocardial infarction, and aortic valve stenosis independent of CRP levels. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Carl Oringer from the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine in Florida, Florida, USA. Oringer concludes that two RNA silencing drugs, Olpasiran and SLN360, have been shown to produce a greater than 95% reduction in circulating LPA concentration and, after initial injections at baseline and three months, result in persistent LPA lowering when administered every six months. While the current approach to patients with elevated LPA levels rests on evidence-based modifications of conventional risk factors, the results of outcome trials for these LPA therapeutics will determine if pharmacological intensive LPA reduction can be safely accomplished and favorably affect cardiovascular outcomes. In a clinical research article entitled Long-Term Cardiometabolic Health in People Born After Assisted Reproductive Technology, a Multi-Cohort Analysis. Ahmed El-Hakim and colleagues from the MRC Integrative Epidemiology Unit at the University of Bristol in Bristol, United Kingdom, examined associations of assisted reproductive technology, or ART, conception versus natural conception, or NC, with offspring cardiometabolic health outcomes and whether these differ with age. Difference in systolic, or SBP, and diastolic blood pressure, or DBP, heart rate, or HR, lipids, and hyperglycemic stroke insulin resistant markers were examined using multiple linear regression models in 14 population-based birth cohorts in Europe, Australia, and Singapore, and results were combined using meta-analysis. Changes in cardiometabolic outcome from 2 to 26 years were examined using trajectory modelling of four cohorts with repeated measures. A total of approximately 36,000 offspring, 654 ART, were included in the meta-analysis. Mean age ranged from 13 months to 27 years, but was less than 10 years in 11 of 14 cohorts. Meta-analysis found no statistical difference in SBP, DBP or HR. Total cholesterol, 2.59%, HDLC, 4.16% and LDLC, 
were statistically significantly higher in ART-conceived versus NC offspring. No statistical difference was seen for TG, glucose, insulin and glycated hemoglobin. The authors conclude that these findings of small and frequently statistically non-significant differences in offspring cardiometabolic outcomes should reassure people receiving ART. Longer-term follow-up is warranted to investigate changes throughout adulthood in the risk of hypertension, dyslipidemia and preclinical and clinical cardiovascular disease. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Claire Lawley, Gemma Figtree and Claire Arnott from the University of Sydney in Australia. The authors highlight that the previous assertion that young adults born via ART may be at high cardiometabolic risk is challenged by this work, which benefits from a large sample size and rigorous statistical methodology. It has given parents of children born from ART a degree of confidence regarding the cardiometabolic health of their offspring through childhood and the early years of adolescence. Hopefully, the assisted reproductive technology and future health, or ART health, cohort collaboration will be able to provide additional important information during long-term follow-up. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.